you're listening to Faceless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogues. Each week, we design new decks for tournament play, and then we put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. What worked, what didn't, and what should we improve in order to move forward. Tonight, we're showing the nominees for a brand new monthly project alongside the Serum Missions Gun. Discussing our ideas for each of them, and see what shows the most promise. And that's all that's coming up on this episode of The Faceless Brewing. Thanks so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. And welcome to the Faceless Brewing Podcast. As you can see by the fact I am the one making the intro, our usual CEO is not present today at his vacation, but that doesn't mean I'm all alone. On the contrary, I'm being joined by the Serum Visions gang. So, please welcome Brian the Artificer and Dr. Combo, also known as Shigiwi. Shigiwi, how is it going? Uh, it's going really well. Super exciting to be back here, you know, just to see your beautiful face again more, to get to see Brian again. We used to do this on a bi-weekly basis. Uh, and, you know, just it's just very nice to do it again. And I've been taking a break from Magic, but I'm very excited to have a reason to, you know, play and get a little deep in it again. So super excited for this and, you know, getting to be part of, uh, you know, Faithless Brewing, the one that really inspired us to do everything. It is super exciting. So I'm very much looking forward to this. Well, so glad to hear that and to have you here again. And same thing to our amazing Brian. How is it going, Brian? It's going going pretty well. Uh, very excited for this. This is a, a fun project. You know, we, we kind of shut things down when Zach went off to sea. I hope that he's uh, <laughs> managing to keep his energy up. I know it's a long swim wherever he's at. And, uh, you know, he's, he's doing great. He's doing great. He's going to, I don't know swim around the world or something whatever he's off doing <laughs> whatever he, he enjoys doing we don't know what he does he says he's on a boat which i think he's sailing on his own but uh yeah it's uh, it's exciting to be back behind the microphone talking about some magic yeah this is finally our chance to get all of us back together <laughs> and yeah. even more so with an amazing project that before we jump right into the specifics i have a small bit of housekeeping to do which is thanks so much Odings, for upping your patronage it really helps us keeping going forward, allowing everything we're trying to get mobilized these few number these few weeks as we just jump into the next projects and just keep upgrading and growing our faithless family. She, would you mind telling us a bit about the project we have at hand? I think we are the one that knows the most about it. Oh yeah, I'll give it my best. I think I mostly understand things, and you know, mostly understanding things is probably. You know, the best I can do sometimes. Uh, so this is a little, I believe this is a brainchild of, you know, the wonderful Cave Dan, uh, who really enjoy, you know, everyone enjoys the, the voting segment where, you know, we vote, you know, the patrons get nominate cards and vote cards and put around them, which is, you know, everyone's favorite, one of, part of everyone's favorite part. Uh, but it kind of sometimes comes down, it feels a little rushed because you only get to do one every few months. And then, you know, just like it's only one brewing, uh, one brewing session with it. And then it's done. And, you know, like it's a very, wanted, Dan wanted to kind of put more emphasis on it. So I think he, my understanding is that we're going to be doing this approximately monthly as a little supplement where it will be out where the, uh, you vote for where the, Patreons will vote for and will nominate and vote for cards and then vote on them and then 
we, the Serum Visions uh, cast, will take the cards that are nominated and chosen, and we will iteratively brew with them, you know, good old Serum Vision style, where we will keep them in the back of our heads and, you know, always in the back of our pocket. And as new sets come out, you know, like when they when we first get the cards, we'll do our best brewing with them, you know, with some things. And then, you know, the next month we'll get more cards. But every once in a while, as new <laughs> sets release, as new things happen, we'll definitely be revisiting these cards, you know, just like seeing what we can do, uh, you know, to make sure that... You know, just for instance, Gear Pro Orrery, sweet card, you know, like hilarious. That was the first one. But like now it's, you know, no one really talks about it. But it'll be nice to just have one of those things where, you know, these cards that were nominated by the people and the people want to see, they will be able to see it more and more and like make sure that it stays in the spotlight. So that's my moderate understanding. I hope I explained it well enough. And I, I more importantly, I hope it's correct. I think you're like 99% correct. I think Cavedan somehow was able to just have this conversation with everybody by itself. So we'll have <laughs> like I, I didn't hear anybody talk with Stan at the same time about this. So it's like seven people that were explaining the idea one by one, and Dan just forgot stuff from one to the other. So then yeah. he got us on a Discord group and just said, "This is what I think I said to all of you. Hope this is good enough." Yeah, you forgot the part about where we uh, we fight to the death in between uh, months. You know, oh, okay, and last man standing. It's like a Highlander thing, right? That he says oh, something about okay. Highlander. Yeah. There can only be one of us brewers alive. Oh, so, yeah. So after each month, one of us has, has to fight to the death. It gets chosen by a ballot. I think you guys get to vote. Patrons get to vote on who fights who. <laughs> and then... Who picks then, the weapons? I think it's the highest bidder patron. Oh, yeah. Respect. Ah, yeah, that's... <laughs> so biggest, biggest patron chooses, the, we- chooses the, the weapon and other patrons get to vote on who fight. Nice. Okay, I'm down with that, you know. And honestly... You know, football is like the new what? Football is the new gladiator sports. I just go back to the gladiator sports. When you say football, you mean football? Yeah. Or you mean <laughs> I'm, an, I'm your... American, so when I say football, I mean the one with the leather thing. Okay, so you mean egghand. Okay, thanks. What is egg that hand. called? Egghand. Egghand. All right, you know, I mean, I don't play. <laughs> I just keep, I just moderately watch. It's decently accurate, you know. It is like don't understand quite now why it's why they're both called football, but it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. Okay, so we're going to have our, our fight to the death starting in May. Before we fight to the death, guys, why don't you tell us about what you have been up to these past two months? All right. Yeah, so what what have been up to? I mean, life is honestly pretty exciting. You know, my funding, I'm a postdoc research right now uh, at uh, uh, in Oregon, in Portland. And I've been that for I, almost a little over four years, which is wild. My funding ends in June. Uh Actually, like a late June, uh, but I'm very excited because, you know, four years is a lot of time to be in academia and I'm excited to move into industry and make significantly more money and to get a big boy job and have like big boy responsibilities instead of just being like kind of, I don't know, postdocing is kind of sweet. And if Dan was here, we could probably talk about it, but it's also kind of just, you know, like being in just like the next level of graduate student. Technically, I'm not a student, but I really feel like a student, which is, you know, once again, fun, but also like not doesn't feel like a very big boy job. Uh, so my funding ends in June, uh, June, July, and I am looking to move to Boston with my fiance because we have friends and family there. Boston has a lot of biotech and they pay the big bucks in biotech. So, you know, I mean, academia doesn't pay, industry pays, you know, I am unrepentant about my switch to industry. Uh, so I've been, uh, so I've been, you know, working pretty hard to finish up my project. My research is going well. I have to write the paper, but a whole bunch of small troubleshooting stuff just keeping me super busy, much busier in lab than I normally am. Uh, and then to kind of, and so I've been, uh, been applying for jobs and started doing interviews, which have been going well and pretty fascinating and interesting. Uh, so, you know, otherwise just 
kind of finishing up things here in Portland and trying to get settled, trying to, you know, get jobs in Boston and very, a big change, like a very large change for sure. But it'll be very exciting. You know, like there's, these things are fun. And I might honestly, you know, this is, I'm probably going to cut off my rainbow dreads when I move to Boston. No. No. I mean, it is, I, I, it's sad, you know, like I, I do, I have it waffling back, uh, back and forth on this more than I intended to. Uh, but. You know, it's kind of like, and, and it's not even because I'm scared. Uh, I'm, you know, some, like I, I do my interviews with Rainbow Dreads. I don't give a shit. Uh, but I'm the two things that it comes down to are that a, uh, it's just very nice when you have a clean slate. For me, you know, it's nice to like make it as clean as possible, or have like as clean of a cut as possible. So you know, like move from Portland to Boston, that's a big change. While we're doing this big change, you know, we can just like cut off our, you know, like totally change things. The other, actually, has a couple of reasons. Also, I haven't had short hair since I was 19 years old. I've had my dreads since 2014. Uh, so, like, my fiance, who I've been with for almost 10 years, has, like, never seen me without long, with short hair. Never seen me without long hair. Uh, and then also, dreads are pretty expensive. Like, it's like, they're, they're not cheap. Like, it is, you know, like, it's, they're, they're not cheap. I have to go in, like, three to six times a year, depending how, like, responsible I am to get the, to get the roots locked up again and get them dyed more if I want them. Uh, and then, you know, with the tip and everything, and, you know, it's a very specialty service. You know, it, it's not super cheap, and you know, with all that confluence of factors, it's just why not? I can always get them again if I really want to. But that's so that's kind of like the big news, I guess. That'll be fun and interesting yeah. and exciting. You got the thing, guys. Leave MTG for literally a month, and you can move to a new city, get a new job, and change your complete life. You just yeah, gotta yeah, drop yeah. mashing for thirty <laughs> days, and you're a new person. Run for scotch. It's pretty addicting, not gonna lie, you know, like it's really easy to play a lot of magic and then the, the more magic you play, the more just in the, you know, in your, the side, in just your side time, the more you're just thinking about decks and oh, you know, brewing with this, brewing with that. Like it's just, it's not just playing the magic, it's that the more you play, the more it just occupies your mind and your downtime, which also, is not a bad thing. I love, I love thinking about that stuff. I, I can't believe the guy on Cancer Research is literally telling me he has a kid's show while I'm here playing magic. How should I feel? Like I have a baby show? I mean, I don't know. Your job is probably, I don't know, like, more. Well, the thing is also, like, you're young, Mord. You're, you're, you're a baby, so, like, it's okay. You know, like, I'm, I'm 30. Saying cancer research is a child's show, just, is putting everybody on display, everybody. We're getting, like, shame in public. I mean, it's, you know, in the environment, I feel like a kid, honestly, you know, like, it's... I don't know. I feel like kind of like a glorified graduate student, which, you know, once again, I've loved being a postdoc. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, four years being a postdoc and being paid not, you know, I have a PhD and honestly, whatever. I don't even mind. My income is like 50, 55K right now. I've been for the past four years. I mean, I honestly, I think it's good to talk about income, but just, you know, I have a PhD. And for the past four years, I've had, you know, my salary been 55K. And while I was doing my, while I was doing my PhD, my stipend was 24K. So, like, I've, like, never made actual, you know, I mean, I've never made, bucks. like, significant, yeah, I'm, okay, there, more so well. I've never made the big bucks, uh, and I'm pretty excited to make the big bucks. That's a dream. Hope so. looking forward to that, see. So, Brian, why don't you tell us about your exciting non-magic month? Uh, well, like you said, I, I've been kind of laying low. I uh, disconnected from most of my discords. I... Haven't really been playing any magic. I haven't been playing any games. Uh, trying to uh, kind of take a little little break, um, ramping up, going back into the office soon, and uh, you know, just trying to get back acclimated to like a life with a commute. Even though I, I, I commute by bicycle, 
Uh, it's only yeah, it's only like twenty minutes each way, but still, you Double know, time sick. starts to add up. Like I'm so used yeah. to just like wake up, roll out of bed, sit down in front of my computer, have like you know an hour before I have to worry about work or whatever. And now I'm gonna have to like do things like look presentable and ride a bicycle damn. to work. God damn. So, you know, been doing that. Uh, been hanging out with my kid. We've we done a lot of gardening and yard work recently. Awesome. He uh, he he came to me. He's three, by the way. He came to me the other day and he said, Dad, I want to pull weeds in the backyard. And I was like, all right, bud, let's go pull some weeds. So we pulled weeds for a while. Like Good hours, for him. actually. Good for him, yeah. uh, so we, we clean up like one section of uh, our backyard and he's like, Dad, I want to go to the nursery and buy a rosemary bush. And I was like, all right, buddy. So we walked to the nursery that's like a couple blocks away. We bought a rosemary bush. We brought it home. We planted it. And that was a Monday. Uh, and then Sick. on Wednesday, he's like, I want to keep weeding. So we weed some more and, you know, we clean up some more of the backyard. And then he's like, I want to buy lavender. And I was like, all right, buddy. So we went and we bought some lavender and we planted some lavender. Damn. I mean, you're making, you make it, you make it sound amazing to have kids, Brian. Like, damn, I want to do this for my kids. <laughs> Uh, it, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. We didn't have uh, any daycare that week, so I took off to you know uh, watch him and whatnot. And it was uh, it was some good days. And then that weekend we cleaned up our old fish pond. So we had a fish pond when we moved in, but it got real nasty and raccoons ate the fish and stuff. Uh, so we cleaned <laughs> it all up, got it got it nice again. And uh, yesterday we just put some new fish in it. I'm gonna put a, a net over top so that they hopefully don't get eaten by raccoons. And, uh, yeah, I've just been super, uh, super, you know, man around the house, I guess, just, uh, doing yard work and, and whatnot. Yeah. Sounds like a nice reset. It, it was. But now, now it's time for magic. Lots of magic. As much Woo! magic as we can fit into the, the limited amount of time that I have. <laughs> In the limited amount of time I have, it will be all magic. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> That's a goal. That's a goal. Yeah, sounds life. great. You said a week full of magic. Why don't you tell us what we're going to do with our time? There's a big difference with our two podcasts in that we just change topics every single week, right? In the Faces Brewing podcast, we just go from decklist to decklist. We just play a single league, maybe two leagues tops unless we love the deck. And we Wild. just jump into the next pool. We just jump from pool to pool. You guys are on the opposite side of the brewer spectrum. <laughs> but it's, it's, like the, it's like the... How do you call what's below a horse? A donkey? No. <laughs> I, 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 what, what's below a horse? Like, yeah. define, no. define below. The ground? <laughs> a horseshoe? A horseshoe? A horseshoe, thanks. For, for everyone, I was making a, a horseshoe shape. So it's like the, hor the horseshoe theory. The two opposite sides of rulers are really close to each other, but they never touch. Mm. Ah, yes, yes. Mm. Okay. Hor okay. Very, very, horseshoe theory is very controversial, you know. Oh, it is. But for other topics, I'm not jumping into those topics. I'm, st I'm, st I'm thinking in the brewing. You guys do the opposite. You guys go went far ahead enough to even have one of your brews, one of your first ones by Shigi, have a, you have its own channel inside. You have like a sub Discord in your Discord to talk about one of your most, most successful brews, which oh, is of course yeah, Grinding Breach, Underworld <laughs> Breach. I mean, I will say, you know, we always talked about how the Breach Party never ends, uh, but honestly, I feel like the Breach Party ended for me a little bit. Uh, just <gasps> the deck. I mean, it just had success, you know. Like it used to be niche, it used to be meta, and I used to be the weird dude who plays breach. And then, yeah, like uh, Titty Pills, uh, Jess, uh, Jesse, and some other, you know, just like people are picking up and doing killing with it because it's a good deck. 
Uh, and then, you know, like now, now that it's mainstream, now that it's had success, I'm less interested in it, you know, like it, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a deck hipster. It's so bad. It's just, this is my baby, you know, but honestly, like, I don't see it as abandoning my baby. I see it as, you know, like I raised a little bird and I let the bird fly and the bird left the nest. And, you know, I'm very, I obviously will take pride in breach and I still have it in paper, of course, you know, I will always probably have it in paper, but definitely I've been less motivated to fire it up on Magic Online, even though it's the deck. I know it like the back of my hand, just because, you know, everybody's playing it now and everybody is good with it. And, you know, people, honestly, like most of the people playing it are pro- probably playing much better than me. You know, just, I mean, I probably, I know more about the deck, but they are probably much better players than me. You're telling me the person with the Rainbow Dreads is a hipster? I would have never picked. I, yeah, I know. I could right? have wow. never Who? guessed that. Who could have Who guessed could that? have ever guessed? Yeah, I mean, I knew this from a young age that I was different. You guys are masters at the iterative brewing. Very, very kind words. I mean, that's what you are, guys. You are sort of inspiring that topic. And what what advice do you have to give about that? Because why do you do what you do? Like, we, when I said we were jumping from <laughs> pool to pool, you guys were like, how do you guys do that? You were even shocked. And, and in my case, it's like, I can't play a brew for like more than three games unless I left the deck. Like, I'm uh, on the opposite side. Nah. Pain. Yeah. Yeah, you basically just can't give up. It, it's, at least for me, it's super rare that you get it right on the first try. And I mean, you guys are excellent players and I think excellent brewers too. Uh, you know, I, I don't know who does all of the brewing. <laughs> David. <laughs> uh, but dude is is just like next level. Um David does all the brewing in Pioneer. We take turns in Modern along everybody else. All right, all right, all right. But Fair Pioneer but is just David's territory. Like, it's his realm. I mean, for you're, you're excellent brewers. Uh, and, and so, like, you do often get really close to correct. But, you know, there's still a pretty wide margin there, right? Like, getting 80% of the way may be pretty easy. That last 20%, that's where, that's where the muffins are made. And so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you like that? Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, I, I think that you, you just can't give up. You have to keep at it. Um, can't get discouraged. Don't set the goal of winning. Instead, set the goal mm-hmm, of collecting mm-hmm. information. And that's what I do a lot. Yeah, like, I genius. will take absolutely dog water decks into a league knowing that it will fail. And if I get wins, that's awesome because that's just bonus points. What I'm usually doing is trying to look for specific interactions or just get a feel for specific cards. And that helps me like paint this, you know, broader picture of how cards interact with one another. And it makes it a little bit easier to get it right the next time. Um, even if that card's being put into a different deck or something like that. So that's, that's my advice. That's what I go for. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna second pretty much all of Brian's advice and add a few things of my own. Um, I will say that, like, if you're really, you know, honestly, I feel like iterative, brew, like, brewing and iterative brewing is a lot kind of like the science, like, the science experiments I do, right? It's a lot of it's just honestly just bashing your head against the wall and, like, trying something. Like, I did an experiment the other day, like, oh, you know, it worked. Like, I sent it in for sequencing. I got the DNA sequences back and, like, they were really good up to a point and then all of a sudden it just became total nonsense. I'm like, okay, you know, like now I have to understand why my DNA sequence of nonsense at this point and what went wrong. And, you know, just like need to see, okay, like what could it have been? Then how do I address this? And I have to go back to the very beginning and I have to redo everything. 
Uh, and so, you know, I kind of, you know, wonder if there's any kind of connection between like why I love to do both or maybe why I just trick myself into liking to that. And my, why I trick myself into thinking I like to do both, you know, very also very possible. I'm could might be might not put it. I wouldn't put it past me. Uh, but that's, you know, definitely one thing. The other thing is, you know, just. Yeah, just like Brian said, like you're gonna lose a lot, and like it's not gonna be fun, and like you're gonna find some really bad things. Um, it's even, <laughs> it's kind of hilarious because like sometimes too, you know, just like you'll just put a total non-bow in your deck. Like for instance, you know, like one time I jumped to a league and a new with a new breach version. I didn't have Naz's Oracle, and you know, just like something <laughs> on your deck, all of a sudden it's like, where's the Oracle? You know, like okay, I'm getting a little nervous, and then you flip the last card and it's like no Oracle. You're like, huh? Go back to the deck list. You're like. Oh, oh, you know, like these, these, or, you know, a lot of things, or sometimes, you know, you want to try, you just put some cards together and you wind up with a, a total non-bow that, you know, just didn't even understand. So you just, it takes a lot of patience. And I will tell you a little secret for today's modern age, uh, of, uh, of magic. Play Ragavan. Is that, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's like halfway there. Like if you're having trouble with a, with your brew, like try and incorporate a lot of Modern Horizons 2 cards. I mean, honestly, it's kind of sad and, you know, it on like kind of made me less encouraged. It made me less encouraged to brew kind of towards the end of Serum Visions when, you know, I try something more out there and just, you know, I just get pummeled. It's like, oh, I guess I have to go out of Ragavan and Saul, dude, now. Like, great. Or like, oh, you know, like Ragavan and Saga, here we go. Like, you know, of course my deck is better now, but like, is it worth, I don't know. Not my <laughs> favorite. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you know, and yes, and it's kind of just, Emphasize what Brian said, you know, just like, don't plan to win, plan to get information. And, you know, like, if you really want to interview brew and like, you want to be the most efficient about it, you know, you're, you brew a deck, you go jump to league, the deck is hot garbage fire, oh three, you know, like, not, nothing, nothing is going your way. And like, you know, sometimes you wonder, man, I hit another bad matchup and you hit, you know, three bad matchups in a row, you kind of think, does my deck have any good matchups? <laughs> Can I and, win? Like, is this good against anything that besides yeah, I, Shan? Exactly. But then, you know, like, if you can stick out the last two, which really does suck, and, you know, you probably get pummeled more, just, like, those extra four games of data really, you know, just, like, can help you to think about and address, you know, what's not working, like, what is working, all those sorts of things. So just... You gotta be a glutton for punishment, and there's not, not, you know, and once again, if you're getting, <laughs> if you're really struggling, add a bunch of Modern Horizons 2 cards. Okay, yeah, I can start to see where we completely differ, because I can't remember the last time I have been 2-2 two, two, or 1-2 in a league and I haven't dropped. What? Yeah. Like, Do you know I, how many leagues I've won for Mord? No, it's no, a lot. I have, I have, I think, zero one fours in my MTGO career. <laughs> like, yeah, make, I mean, I think I drop at 1-3 consistently enough. I, I had a run where I was uh, 11 leagues without winning a match. No, no, I couldn't do No, I can't do that. No, 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 Glutton. no, no, no. Glutton for punishment. No, see, that that's, I hate losing too much to handle that. No, but I wasn't it, losing, I was learning. <laughs> no, no, you are burning 110 ticks. Yeah, well, that's an academia. <laughs> that was that was that was the pain. That was the pain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it helps when Magic Online isn't your primary income source too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's the opposite perspective, but if I ever lose 110 ticks in a single day, I'm going to I'm going to sleep. Like I'm going crying. I'm just going. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm oh, in Christ tonight. A single day. Okay, okay. It was a few days. Yeah, of heavy losing. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a lot of games. It's like a lot of leaks as well. <laughs> that sends us to our next topic, which is 
What makes a good card for brewing? What makes a successful card? What is the sort of card you just want to brew with? I, I'm going to jump in and steal this, and I'm going to say the weird shit, the niche shit, you know, <laughs> just like the stuff that just like, what is the application of this card, you know, like, and the most reward, you know, the best, the most, the best reward of brewing is coming up with an, you know, finding a card that people dismissed and then, you know, just like finding a really good use for it. I think, you know, Five Color Niv with Dan and like in the whole yeah. origin of this podcast is just a great example where... Once again, you can just Google the original Reddit thread where Dan, like back, you know, I don't know, like years ago, it was just like by like when uh, Guilds of Ravnica or whatever was spoiled, Dan's like, hey, this card Niv is pretty cool. You know, I think we can do things. And like everybody just shits on him. And it's just like, you're like, are you stupid? Just like this is five man card, all colors. Like, what the hell? Like, you know, all these things. And then boom, you know, he nails it and it really helps to, you know, it helped to give the podcast a lot of credence and, you know, a lot of credibility. Uh, which really helped to, which is, you know, an amazing thing. So definitely, you know, the weird, the weird and the niche cards for me. The other thing too is I, I have a Mox Amber obsession. So like anytime, anytime I see a new legend that's kind of funky, it's like, all right, you know, this seems pretty interesting to me. Like, you know, I just I like the weird stuff that is kind of challenging to break or, you know, people don't think you can do it and then you do it and it feels good. Like that's really, you know, the only thing that makes all makes burning all your tickets and makes bashing your head against the wall a ball worth it is when you know you get that little breakthrough and everyone's like, "Whoa!" You know, like, like any, you know, like it's easy to five o. I'm uh, maybe not easy. It is significantly easier to five o a league with Murktai than it is to like five o a league with a new brew. And, you know, like five oing a league with a new brew is much more impressive. You know, like on the Reddit threads, just like, or you post it to Twitter, you'll get more engagement. You know, like those sorts of things. And for me, that's what really motivates me for brewing and you know what makes me like cards is just things that people kind of doubt or people overlook and then you can kind of take those up you know like Kinnon for instance right just like everyone's like oh this card's interesting turns out the best use for Kinnon is to escape Uro on turn two uh, which <laughs> was you know <laughs> nice to learn so play, but, play, yeah, yeah, play the good cards so they just told <laughs> yeah, yeah. Up telling Shigi play the good cards <laughs> yeah exactly and you know once it's <laughs> not not a coincidence that once Uro was banned that deck totally fell apart Uro and Athlete got banned and that deck totally fell apart who would have said so who would have said yeah I know right <laughs> right yeah besides what's the reason that, that that you love a card besides being a hipster uh I don't know I used to think I knew and then I have encountered cards that I was like I, I love artifacts. So usually artifacts is like a, a pretty good starting place. But I've found uh, as I've, you know, broadened my horizons and put myself out there, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't think that I would like that I've really uh, enjoyed. I, I do tend to agree uh, with Jiggy. I do feel like weird cards, cards that people dismiss easily are um, more interesting to me. I like things that can serve a lot of functions. I think I like utility cards a lot. Um, but yeah, in general, I, I don't know. Some cards just kind of strike you and some don't. And, you know, if it captures my imagination, it doesn't really matter what it is, right? Like it could be a 10 mana something or it could be a free spell. And both ends of the spectrum, like, you know, some are interesting and some aren't. Um, I think we're going to get to a free spell here that uh is really interesting and I, I'm or I guess it's not technically a free spell but it's a, it's a null mana cost spell so I'm gonna call it free um you know I I think that it's a super cool card and it's mostly been dismissed because nobody's managed to do anything exciting with it 
Um, but like, it's not my normal cup of tea, if that makes sense. It's not an artifact. It's green. I don't like green. Why would you? Why would anybody play green? To turn that brain off. <laughs> yeah. So before we give too much away of what we're going to do, let me finish this by saying I'm. I I just love playing the cards that make midrange piles good. Like I'm blaming Shigi on this. Shigi is the person I didn't get to play amulet. Shigi is the reason I haven't gone to the pro tour again. I, I blame everything on Shigi. We that's 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 how <laughs> oh, it's always yeah. been because five color name life exactly baby. because I was about to play a realtor one deck in the form of amulet and I see Shigi's five all with five color Neve and I just go downward spiral into the five color <laughs> soup archetype and that's where I have been my whole life after that. Just playing bling, <laughs> just playing ETV, just playing. The good stuff. And I'll blame it all on Shigi. If Shigi had a 5-0, I would, I would be in the complete... I, I don't know if I would have ever become a brewer or anything. So it's You're welcome. a curse and a blessing. I just blame everything on Shigi. My whole magic career. No regrets. I would do it again. I would 5-0 with Neve again. I know you would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I was in love with Ephemerate when I saw it. I still in love with Ephemerate sort of stuff. I love Solitude. I love the good cards. I just love playing value piles. Sorry, everybody. That's how I am. Respect. You know, don't hide it. Embrace, embrace it. Embrace the yeah. four-color soup. Yeah. Embrace the soup. So, let's start with the nomination cards. Anyone has a preference for the first one? Seems like someone a bit more combo-ish than me wouldn't show you. Yeah, Brian, you should take this. I'll take the next one for undisclosed reasons. All right. So, first up, we have a card that was double-nominated. It is Invoke Calamity. It is one red, 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 red. That is four reds. Uh, for an instant, you may cast up to two instant and or sorcery spells with total mana value six or less from your graveyard and or hand without paying their mana costs. If those spells would be put into your graveyard, exile them instead. Exile Invoke Calamity. Uh, so this was nominated by Kilgore Trout 503 and... Uh, Timothy Lepp, Kilgore writes, It slices, it dices, and so much more. Cast sorceries at instant speed. Cast six mana worth of spells for the price of five mana. Lose to counter spells and graveyard hate. <laughs> Live the dream. We got, why lose to one thing when you can lose to everything? Yeah, I mean, exactly. That's what Breach does, and it's still okay. Timothy writes, Have you ever wanted to sneak attack sorceries? Already used a card and want to reuse it? Invoke Calamity is here. I'm planning to use it in Standard to cast Tasha's Hideous Laughter, but I am sure there are other silly things you can do with it in Pioneer and Modern. <laughs> Timothy living the dream of casting his double blue sorcerer in turn 3, then again in turn 4, and then again twice on turn 5. Just for the mill, 80 CMC. That's hot, you know? I mean, I've been milled for like 30 with Tasha's. Cards, cards whack. Yeah. it's a, The thing with this card is... Are you trying to cheat on mana? Are you trying to replay three mana spells? What's the goal? Like, what yeah, do we I, think about this? I have no idea. I I don't. You know, I yeah. You know, I was thinking about this card earlier. You know, this is just if this if the people vote on this, you know, like I will definitely do my best, and that's when I'll really think about it more. But I just have no idea where I'd even go with this. You know, so you count on something. Oh, rituals for storm, but then five mana card in storm is pretty clunky, and it only it barely gets. Uh, you know, it really gets reduced, so probably the four red makes it a mono red deck. But we don't really have any great rituals in modern, and you can't do except the Iron Craig feat, with then you know you can't really do anything else. So it's I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know. I have to think about this more. Yeah, this is a weird one. 
Um, because I think if we're talking about modern, Past in Flames is almost definitely better, although you're not getting free casts. Yeah, no, but for Storm you, it is, but yeah, this, this would be a non-Storm application. Yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of with you in, in that I'm not entirely sure what I would want to be casting. I mean... I have a bad idea. Okay, okay, let's hear it, let's hear it. So, you guys know Collect... So, Collected Company is a real card, but what about Collected Conjuring? I was just about to say that. I was... That was... When you said you had an idea, I was just about to say, you know, it makes me want to play Collected Conjuring, which is also a bad idea. Okay, here we go. Okay, here, I will... If we're going to go the Collected Conjuring route... I've been like when I first when I really first got into magic uh, again like in Ravnica Ravnica standard there was like Ravnica Kamigawa had blue red Magnivore that was like the hotness and that played I have nowhere as kind of like a boomerang effect you know like I have nowhere stone rain you just kind of like blow up your opponent's lands and play a hasty magma for and just like kill them pretty quickly uh, and you know just like. Collected conjuring, you know, like into two stone rains or into like stone rain and boomerang is just like, you know, four mana double stone rain is kind of interesting. And then you cast invoke calamity and you do it again. You know, you can hit like I have nowhere and then you're collected conjuring again, hit two more. So that's, that's probably the style of deck I would, I would start with. Okay. What if we are stacking our deck first so that we're guaranteed to hit collect? No. Well, no. We, we we're not hit- crossing. No. We're not crossing any paths. Brian, we're playing lands. Like, but the problem is, this does. This is not a collected conjuring hit, right? Like, if you're playing collected conjuring, you want to be playing a bunch of sorceries, so you need to make sure that you're going to get maximum value. But I am all in on the plan of hitting two collected conjurings and getting to cast twelve mana worth of spells for the low, low cost of five mana. You you, you don't get two conjurings out of calamity. You get one plus a two mana spell. Oh yeah, this doesn't yep, yep. allow you to cast. Isn't... Oh, it's a four mana spell. Ah, that's okay. Uh, no, no, if Collective Conjuring was three, I would be playing the card. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, but wow. th- also this allows you to cast collect- Collected Conjuring or the sorceries in your deck at instant speed, and that's something really relevant because the biggest problem with Collected Conjuring is it itself being a sorcery and asking for sorceries. Yo, I would totally draw step double can, stone rain somewhere. That sounds double hot. Stone rain. That you can also instant double hot, yeah. indicate. You just gotta leave a big dream of five okay. mana color mana bases, but that's a problem for the future. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're getting the try. We're getting all ten triumphs, right? Like nothing matters anymore. I, I'm not trying to poo-poo the idea. I I, I do want to draw step double stone rain. I like this, but like if that's what we're getting out of this, is the ability to cast sorceries at instant speed. Aren't there better ways to do that? Can't we just play a ley line of anticipation? No, I think what this provides you is. So the biggest problem with Collective Conjuring itself is you're playing a lot of clanky three-mana sorceries. A lot. Yes. Sort of the yes. Collective Company problem, right? What am I doing with all these crappy three MCMC creatures when I'm not having a company? I mean, the good old days when company was playable, of course, I'm talking about. So this gives you like a second outlet. Like if I have two pillages in my hand that are just being really clanky, I can just end step sort of ritual the two of them together and play them at instant speed. Or I can just Collected Conjuring on turn 4, followed by turn 5 Collected Conjuring plus a Bolt to like remove a creature. Okay. This is like... Okay. Allowing... A, this allows you to have a second 2 for 1 alongside... The only problem is you have to play all sorceries. Also... Okay, here's the big part. I just realized. This allows Quad you to bread. cast... This and 
Collect the Conjuring allow you to cast zero mana spells in the form of either Ancestral Visions or Rhinos. Yeah. Yeah, I think Rhinos was... Uh, didn't, one of the original thoughts of this is Rhinos sideboard, I think. I feel like I heard someone talking about this like as a possible application. But, you know, so I think we got we still have a fair amount of cards that we spent a fair amount of time on this one. But there's definitely... You know, I came a little bit of a skeptic, but after discussing it with all of you, I've been pretty excited for this card. It seems like there's some pretty weird shit we could now do. Now we can just go end step in both Calamity into double Rhinos. Yeah, I mean, you know, like lots of <laughs> lots of ways to do it. All right, all right, all right. All right. Abandoning Invoke Calamity, the only double dominated so far in the list. And uh, let's go to a card that, for some reason, we don't comprehend. Shigiwi wants to talk about. Woo! So, who? Why oh, would we yeah. want to talk about Calendar Reclusive Painter? Please tell us who nominated this card, Shigi. So, Calendar Reclusive Painter was indeed nominated by myself, and I know what you might be thinking: Isn't this a conflict of interest? The answer is yes. It is a conflict of interest. <laughs> But I'm disclosing my conflict of interest up front, and I, you know, I just need to remind everyone, it is okay to have biases, you know, especially in the sciences, whenever you come up with a hypothesis, you want it to, you know, you come up with your hypothesis, you want it to be correct, you know, like that's a bias. Having a hypothesis is by definition a bias. What's important is not allowing those biases to affect, you know, just like the good work that you want to do. So, you know, obviously, like, I'm cheering for Kalein to win, but, you know, like, if Kalein doesn't win, I don't mind. And, you know, like, if Kalein wins, great. Uh, but, you know, you know, I'm <laughs> full disclosure, I'm being upfront about this. Uh, so, Kalein Reclusive planer, Painter from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Black Red, Legendary Creature, Human Elf Bard. Ogadogis. When Kalein enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. That's pretty sweet. It's Black Red, by the way. So, Legend for Mox Amber, Black Red. Uh, makes a treasure, you know, get a little, get, get a little discount. Other creatures you static ability. Other creatures you control enter the battlefield with an additional plus one counter on them for each mana from a treasure spent to cast them. Uh, so I write, uh, this card is sick and probably better than anyone expects. It enables Mox Ember, it generates a treasure, and can grow creatures unexpectedly. 3-2 Ravagan is hot, but what about pumping fury or a grief? With mirror box in play, you know, the abilities stack, and every one treasure mana is plus two plus two. Which is, you know, also pretty hot. Uh, so yeah, I just think this card is, you know, really cool and fascinating and might be a little just very underexplored. I've been meaning to brew with this card for a while, but full disclosure, I've been too cowardly to do it. Oh! Uh, but it's, it is, it has been on my to-do list for a while, you know, black red, like Saga plays well, you know, Mox Amber, good with Saga, all those sorts of things, Spring Leap Drum, yada yada, yuda yuda yuda. Uh, so yeah, I think this card is very interesting and, you know, I think it's going to be surprisingly better than you know than i think as soon as i start playing it and you know messing with things i mean hello and like i mean there's other things too like uh with uh torok you know if you want to be like black red legend shell you have torok uh if you cast a kick torok with two treasure with this on the battlefield it etbs is a six five which is like pretty hot four mana for a six five pro red make your opponent discard two cards at random or sorry pro white seems pretty good <laughs> seems pretty yeah good. you know so this is that's my pitch. I think this card is sweet. I'd be happy if it wins. I'd also be happy if it doesn't win. Yeah, but you had to take your shot. You had to just place it there. Exactly. I mean, you know, I, this, this has been in my mind for so... I'm just trying to give myself an excuse to find the motivation to be less of a coward to play with this card. That's really what it comes down to. And even if it doesn't win, I can, you know, I'm probably going to be less of a coward and try it anyways. Exactly. Just because people told you not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> people didn't vote for it, so now I can be a hipster and play it because of that. That's the argument. Exactly. They're dismissing you. Going forward with another Shigi's 
favorite. So we have like the whole Shiggy club in here. Yeah, I, I feel honored. Kinan Bonder Prodigy. Two mana, two, two hum legendary creature, human druid for a green and a blue. It has the ability of whenever you tap a non-land permanent for mana, add one mana of any type of that, that permanent produce. So it causes all your non-land permanents to tap for double the mana, or at least for an extra one. And we all know how this can be mastered in half. And it also has a mana sync ability in the form of pay seven. Look at the top five cards of your library and put a non-human straight into play. Non-human means no Ursas for you guys. Yeah, this is honestly like the act of, you know, I mean, I'm very excited to see this card. Uh, Jack Hart writes, card is busted and Jiggy is his champion. You know, I love, love that. Definitely. Kinnan will always have a place in my heart. As you know, I think like my, my first, just like Zach and my really just like first super successful brew that we did well with. Um, yeah, this card is Sickos. You know, it can do some pretty busted things. Kinnan, Drum, Amber, uh, now Moonsnare Prototype. Turn one drum, turn two, Mox Kinnan is four mana on turn two. The, the one to four skip, which is pretty hot. I must say, the activated ability is a trap until it's not. <laughs> you know, like it always seems bad, but you know, if you, when you fill your deck with just Moonsnare Prototype and Mox Amber and Springleaf Drum, you're gonna have, and a, you know, when Kinnan's Battlefield, you're gonna have a lot of mana, and then you just flip it, and you know, obviously, if sometimes you don't have any hits, but like you can make it so you have hits, and you know, like when you hit the hits, it's pretty sweet. Like hitting an Omnath end of turn. Uh, I have draw step thought not seared people in Pioneer. That's pretty hot. Yeah, this you know, I always Kinnan will always have a place in my heart. I always keep Kinnan in the back of my mind. Uh, I will say I have been playing messing with some Kinnan uh, without Uro. You know, like. It's not, <laughs> you can definitely feel it. Like, Kinnan is kind of weak by itself and needs to be subsidized by better cards. And without Uro, you know, you're losing some good subsidization cards. Uh, but I would I would love to go deep with Kinnan again, you know. In a heartbeat, I would do this. There's been a lot of sets since we uh, last tried Kinnan, I feel like. So, yeah. Yeah, I think the most important card is the Monster Prototype. As yeah, the yep, best yep. Way, as the best drum we have had so far. Yeah, like four drum, four prototype. That's like you know eight of those now with the four drum. Just you can you can maximize the busted starts. The question is, can you win if you get a busted start? And like, what happens when you don't get a busted start? So we're gonna see the dream of four men might four helicopters, eight drums. See what happens down the road. Oh no, I I have I have a couple lists that start like this in my moto folder. <laughs> and then you just win with Rosa Saga. You just forget yeah. the Kinnan part, you just get seven constructs, three seven sevens, and win with that, everything else is meaningless. I mean, I mean it's, it's, uh, it's, it's serving its purpose, then. It's it's serving its purpose as taking the heat off of the Urza Saga. And you like, Urza Saga, like, you know, it you lose the land. Like, Urza Saga takes a lot of mana. If you want to, it's very difficult to, to go on the Saga plan plus the do stuff plan. And normally you do stuff and then you Saga, but it's very, or like, you Saga and you do stuff. It's very hard to Saga and do stuff at the same time, but Kinnan actually allows that with Kinnan and Amber and Drum and Moonstar Prototype, where you can now just have two permanents. You know, if you have Kinnan out, you can just have Kinnan with the Prototype and then tap your Saga and you make a Construct. So you still have however many lands, whatever. You maybe even have a Mox Amber laying around still. So in this case, Saga is taking the place of Uro, where we are subsidizing our medium cards with very strong cards. There's something crazy we can do with... I just want to do Cultivator Colossus stuff. I don't know why. Yeah, that's. I don't think. I don't think they mesh. Unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to get a Colossus in play with ability. I mean, that'd be hilarious. That'd be a dream. Would it be good though? I don't know, but it'd be hilarious. Yes, it would probably be good. Yeah, yeah, can't be bad. You know, it's probably like a free <laughs> resolving five -five. a Colossus. Always good. 
It, Colossus ETV might be the best ETV in the history of MTG so far. Like, as a card, it, it's re- it reads like one of the most powerful ETVs, ETVs ever printed. It is pretty insane. Alright, so you know, so if, if Kinnan gets nominated again, definitely we can like explore this a little bit more. But I'm totally, I would love if this card won. Uh, but like I said, I'll also be happy if something else wins. Ziggy's <laughs> always happy. Ziggy just wants to grow stuff. That, that is the secret to life. If you can find happiness in everything, you will always be happy. That oh. will be the title of this. Just put that. I don't see. 2022, April. <laughs> I would say 17.4, but that will be month 17 for you guys that write in a weird order for some reason. Oh, you mean the you mean the proper order? No, yeah. I mean the real order. Yeah, 17.4, the real order. The proper order. Day, month, not month, day, for any reason whatsoever. So, uh, that, yeah, Brian, that what, what's this next card? Uh, this next card is a card that is not good with uh, Urza's Saga. And that is Blood Sun. Uh, this was uh, submitted by Devin H. And Devin writes, I've had success with this in Historic, Blood Sun Ramp, sometimes Ugin Turn 4, but I'm curious if you can make it good in Pioneer and Modern. Triomes untapped, uh, Lotus Field untapped. My fear is it's too slow, but maybe I'm missing a cheat piece to get it a turn sooner. It's a super cool card for sure, but you know, with the one, my one concern about this card, especially in Modern, is that I feel like this is kind of Spike's card already. That you know, like Spike has his Jeskai Lotusfield deck that he says is like his number one pet deck. Yeah, Brian. Uh, quickly for anybody who doesn't know, it is two and a red for an enchantment. Oh, my bad. <laughs> when Blood Sun enters the battlefield, draw a card. All lands lose all abilities except mana abilities. So this turns off fetches. Urza Saga dies on the spot. No, Urza Saga uh, dies. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because Yo. it loses. Uh, yeah. Dr- so just little little known fact for any for anyone who loves to play Breach, the number one absolutely abysmal worst matchup for Breach is not actually Mill, although Mill is really, really, really bad. It is a Spike's Jeskai Lotus Field Blood Sun deck that has Chalice and all these removal spells and Fury and Solitudes and Blood Sun. And it's like I, I it's great. I've run into like it's it never feels even remotely close. It is just wild how it just, you know, I play it one time, I'm like, okay, maybe maybe I can do this. And just like, oh, wow, every card they have kills me. It's going downhill so fast. <laughs> yeah, so Blood Sun in Modern, besides the obvious shenanigans with Triumphs untapped and Lotus Field untapped, it's just on fetch lands and it destroys Ursa Saga while it cantrips. Does it actually destroy Ursa yeah, Saga? Yeah, yeah, because it removes... It removes all the chapters. It doesn't have chapter abilities, and it has more saga counters than chapters, which means it dies as a saga. Okay, I didn't realize that those were considered abilities. I have seen this happen in front of my very eyes many, 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 many times. He has Fair suffered enough. this fate one, one too many times. If, if it doesn't kill Urza Saga, Magic Online owes me a lot of money. Stranger things have happened. Just remember Abundant Growth. So... Really good card. In Pioneer, that might be some exploring to do. Mm-hmm. My biggest fear in Modern is exactly what Shiggy said. This is Spike's card, and it's really hard to try and find something new to do with it. But if it wins, we're going to bust our ass off to find what can we do. Besides Hell targeting yeah. on 10 we'll, triumphs, so we can get new colors into it. We'll find some weird shit, for sure. It cantrips, so there's that. It cantrips, so you played in a Yorion deck. That's what you're saying, right? Uh, Yeah, why not, you know? Oh, okay, there we go. And this is, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, you know, if this card wins, I will do whatever it takes. Unfortunately, there there are not a ton of lands with, like, added abilities um, that you would actively want to get rid of. Usually you want to keep the abilities on your lands 
So that makes this a little bit more difficult to brew around. But, uh, you know, the obvious ones, I think, have been explored. Um, so really, I think I would start digging for for things that are uh, abilities on lands that you actively want to get rid of for some reason. Uh, the other thing you could consider is if you, um, you know, if you if you somehow enchant your land, right? Uh, lands are, are difficult to target. No, that's not even a good idea. See, this is this is the hard part about brewing. You you get yourself down rabbit holes and they make no sense. Yeah, yeah. You just go downward spiral and then you play. You you all find that, like when did I go too far? I had this happen with Danny in the last episode. We were talking about what was this card. We we're talking about one of the new cards from from New Capena, and he was like, "Yeah, oh, the bird that when you play your second spell connives." And Dan goes like, okay, so we have Mithras Bubble through the deck. And I'm like, that's too far. See, that's the line. The moment you have Mithras Bubble to your benchmark deck to loot on turn two with your two drop, that's too far. <laughs> <laughs> someone's got to do it. No, no, don't agree with him. I, no, no. I mean, I mean, someone's got to say it's too far. That's what I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's Mithras Bubble. It's never too far, right? It's, I don't know. After, I think it was... Um, Principe played a force rebirth for Mishra's Bubble 5 Tron deck. I think science has gone too far. So, next one. This is a card I actually really, really like, and that's Flux Channeler. Flux Channeler is a card I wanted to brew the moment it got spoiled, but I wasn't like a real brewer yet. I probably started into Magic because this was like my third expansion, expansion I ever seen. So, 3 mana 2 to Human Wizard. Whenever you cast a non creature spell, proliferate. Really short line of text that actually means a lot. Two and a blue as a cost, of course. Chris, Chris in 23, Chris writes, I feel the proliferation mechanic is underrated. There are so many options to benefit from it. Plus one counters are obvious, hard scale decks prove that. But what about poison counters, planeswalker loyalty, and various artifacts? With so many good cheap cantrips and instance, an instance, Flexerer can do a lot for a lot of decks. I have tried brewing around it with poison counters and planeswalkers and painted prisms, but yet find the right balance. Not so much a card to break, but an engine that needs to find the right vehicle to drive. Pentad Prism is hot. That's I, I was going to say, Pentad cool. Prism is really spicy. I have definitely been down this path before, so Prism, I feel you. Uh, I <laughs> periodically like see an artifact. You mentioned artifacts. I will see an artifact that has some unique counter type, and my, my two immediate go-tos are... Um, is there a way to proliferate and also like fit the proliferators into the deck in a meaningful way? And uh, can I put the counters on the Ozolith or do some, some sort of jank with the Ozolith to like store counters up? Um, I have played a bunch of like dice factory type decks and yep, I, yep. I love this idea. I love manipulating counters like this, especially things that are not one, one counters because one, one counters, like you said, you know, hardened and scales, we already have that sort of thing. We, we can copy those or make those all sorts of different ways. Um, but yeah, I want to get into some weird stuff where I'm like adding charge counters or whatever type of counters and then, you know getting to like ultimate this weird artifact so so what's so i'm picturing shenanigans alongside the lines of turn two pentad prism turn three flux channeler it's non-creature into mishra's bubble which mishra's bubble becomes a mana ritual positive any one mana play becomes mana neutral wait more you know more about rules than i do 
How does this work with Urge's Saga? Like, what happens when you start putting counters on Urge's Saga proliferate? Do you get extra bonuses, or does it just die early? No, no, it just dies early. You just kill it. Oh, man. You can make it make a construct on its first turn, if you want. Like, that's the only upside I can see. Or you, you can just go through all steps, you know, like, play it, play Amir's Power, make a construct, play another spell, sacrifice it, get what you want. Okay. But that's all you can I'm, do. You can also just use to kill your opponent's Sagas, too, which might be kind of hot. Might come up occasionally. Oh yeah, that's actually re- that's actually a relevant part of it. You're right, like just go this into double spell, kill your Ursa Saga. <laughs> that's actually spicy. Yeah, I don't not quite sure what I would do with this, but I would love to brew with this, that's for sure. Printed Prism is the one that I, I never even considered it and just yeah, blew yeah, my mind. That's a, a it great just idea. Open a whole bunch of shenanigans. Well, there's a whole bunch of artifacts that um, get the same sort of counter from Starburst, right? Or yeah, that's what it's called, the mechanic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a there's a bunch of like beefy sort of weird artifacts. They're really expensive though, so I've never actually used any of them because they all seem pretty bad. But if you can manipulate the counters, I mean, let's do this. Also, any cheap planeswalker gets to emblem really fast, likely. So yeah, yeah. this is like a, now I want to try this. Like I don't mind at all if this wins. So this can go insane. I'm actively rooting fast. for this one. Just saying. I was not rooting for this. Until I read Pintal Prism. I'm not the only one with conflicts of interest, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Flash Channeler, really fun. I think we can pop up something out of it. Seems like a really interesting card. And then going to another likely combo in I want to take this one. This card is six. All, all yours, Shiggy. This card is Gaia's Will, nominated by Andre Abav... I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry. Abavavik. I probably butchered it. I apologize uh, severely for that. But Guy's Will is a sorcery with no mana cost, one of those free suspend cells, free suspend spells from One Horizons 2, with suspend 4 for a green, and it has Yagmoth's Will text, where until end of turn you may play land cards and cast spells from your graveyard, and if a card is put in your graveyard from anywhere, this turn exile that card instead. Uh, you know, it's better than Breach in the sense that you do get to play lands. There's so many, like, if Breach let you play lands, it would probably be just, like, ab- absurdly obnoxious and busted even more than it is. Uh, the one issue with Geisable and these Yagmothsable effects is that you don't get to, like, recast cards again from your again and again and again and again. And especially, and even if you cast a spell from your hand while Geisable is active, it goes into the graveyard and you don't get to recast it, unlike with Breach. Uh, so it's a little bit of a weakness, uh, but it's also pretty spicy. Yeah, Brian? I don't know. I never thought about this before, but Bolus is Citadel. Just putting that out there. Yeah, I mean, that would definitely be something. <laughs> Those are two cards you could put in the same magic deck. Yes. You can play... Okay, so we play this in a collected conjuring deck. <laughs> we always play stuff in collected conjuring decks, and that's it. We just force collect the conjuring on everything and see how it works. That's the goal. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just like collected con. Oh, wait, but then you need... Do we have any sorcery? Any, like, sort Oh, I guess so. You could play instant speed ritual, instant speed ritual, collected conjuring into Gaia's will and replay the rituals. But then, like, the rituals don't play with your collected conjuring because they're instants and... And you just you know, now, Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> no, no, honestly, yeah. Honestly, that's I would build... This card. If the people want me, if the people want us to brew a Rube's Goldberg machine, I will brew a Rube Goldberg machine, hundred percent. I was, I was like somewhat joking, but also pretty serious about Bolus's Citadel because um, the Bolus's Citadel decks tend to want to be uh, mana 
like you want really low mana cost stuff because otherwise you're going to kill yourself with the citadel uh or you want things that are going to gain you life to effectively become quote unquote mana neutral um but this allowing you to play zero mana spells out of your graveyard could be huge on those like you know just to to finish off that combo turn because one of the things that often kills you is not having enough material on board to activate the citadel so maybe this allows you to you know recast some mishra's baubles or something later in the game and you know get those last couple uh uh permanents on board so that you can activate the citadel and get the win i don't know I mean, that's, you know, better idea than anything I can come up with for sure. Yeah, all I can think of is some sort of combo deck with um, As Foretold, but that's where my yeah. mind just stops working. So, uh, I mean, this um, once again, I would love if this card won. Uh, you know, I don't know what I would do, but I would definitely do some weird shit. But yeah, that's that's what we got for it. If Gaius will wins, we're going to do our best to make it work. And if not, we're just going to cry into oblivion as we make group Ru- Ru- mouth teams that go 1-4. Hey, one win with Geisville is pretty hot, I'm just going to yeah. say. <laughs> I, uh, I hate you guys. I like, don't honestly, know. Honestly, Mord, how many people do you think registered Geisville in a modern league? I think... It might act, might actually be zero. I, I, no, I think there's a huge graph of people that yeah. did during the first 48 hours. Like, because the card looks extremely powerful at Simple Sight, and then you go like, so it kind of... I don't know, like a really serious number during 48 hours, and then zero. Does it look really powerful, though? <laughs> it's Yogmo's Will. The, the, the effect is very powerful, yeah. but they made it really, really, really hard to cast when you want to. Yeah, suspend so for is a lot. So, going to another green sorcery, which it's a le- has a big cost, but it's a, le- a bit more castable, to say the least. We have Life's Legacy. Proposed by Odin's. I went in a green sorcery, which reads, as an additional cost to, sacri- to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature, and draw cards equal to the sacrifice creature's power. Odin said, think of all the cards you could draw. Ominouses. Uh-oh. 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 It's so bad. Like, I just want- I have tried to play Ominouses in the past. It's one of those decks I have tested and just hid it in a shelf after the one, after the two, three, or one, or one should drop. Create a good baby, create a good arrow and ominous seeds. Those were the days. Those were the good old days are gone. One of one of the all-time great MTG cards. So, what do we do with life's legacy? I think ominous seeds is a great start, to say the least, because it's make an 8-8 plus draw 8 cards. Yeah, it's a little tricky because of sorcery, so you can't do something like play croaks and trigger on the stack, sack it, those sorts of things. Uh, you need to have a big fatty down, and you need to sag and draw a bunch of cards. You need to, you know, drawing cards is one thing. It's great to draw cards, but it's also very easy to lose with eight cards in your hand when your opponent beats you down. That's the Delver card advantage, right? If my opponent loses with seven cards in hand, I was seven cards ahead. Yeah, I mean, the, the classic Cave Dan, right? Lose with eight cards in hand, but still love it. I lo- enjoy every minute of it. Just exactly <laughs> escape my third of Oxagonas. I'm having... <laughs> and see what happens. I mean, this this card, once again, I think is pretty sweet. Um, I'm not quite sure what I would do with it, but it seems super sweet. And, you know, it's only two mana. Two mana is cheap. Like, that's a cheap card. Yeah, getting it counter shouldn't be as relevant. You always have the weird dreams of unearth stuff, Skelemental. The weird obsession with people with going turn three, unearth my, like, my Skelemental and then drawing six. Okay. 
All right, you know? right. Okay. All right. Can you think about the cream? Draw six, then double grief you, because I have eight cards in hand. That's where it is. Wow. Is, okay, guys. you know, I mean, honestly, if this card wins, I'm probably going to Skelementals some homies. For start yeah. with Skelementals and see where we go from there. I, I like that, yeah. I think this card gets really pow empowered by playing aggressive pitch elementals, such as, well... Grief, I think, is Grief or Fury. Because when you draw the eight cards, you just go, okay, I can get rid of four right now with double pitch elemental to make sure that I can keep up on tempo. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's pretty huge. I'm into right. it, you know? Yeah, a little... I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens. This card's pretty neat, though. Oh, like, was not expecting to see this ever. I didn't know this card existed. Uh, but it's pretty sicko. So well done, Odin's. Okay, no, I'm going to try... If this card wins, I'm, I'm building on a Reveal Tears Ascendancy deck. This fits right. Riveteer's Ascendancy from the new expansion from Capena. What's that? That's the Jund one, but it's what's the Shand, Shand Ascendancy, whenever you sacrifice a creature, return target creature with lesser mana value from a graveyard to the battlefield once per turn. Okay. Okay. It's something. <laughs> it's something. And Ascendancy pitches to all the elementals. That's a good thing about Seed Rhino, right? <laughs> <laughs> the one good thing. The one good thing about Rhino is it pitches to three elementals. So, Moving going on. to Shad's Robe's choice. Do you want to take it, Brian? Sure. Uh, so next up, we have Showdown of the Scalds. Uh, this was nominated by Judge Rob. Uh, Showdown of the Scalds is two red-white for an enchantment saga that reads, uh, Chapter 1, exile the top four cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. Chapters 2 and 3, whenever you cast a spell this turn, put a 1-1 counter on target creature you control. Uh, Judge Rob writes, this is a secret card drawing and also damage powerhouse and pioneer that David called out recently. I've been tinkering with it, and I would love to have my pet cards demolished by some frank brewing around it using a different brain from me. I have played this card in Morden. I don't know if you guys have too. I not really, but yeah, I've seen I've seen you. I've watched you. I've watched your streams. I've you played it a lot. I've also faced that silly red white. I'm brought back. Yeah, brought back just like all the pitch elementals. I will say one of the things that most impressed me is showing showing up the scalds, uh, showing up the skulls plus uh, S percent null was yeah. is like pretty pretty sweet, you know, pretty hot, pretty brutal. Yeah, I, I like that. I you know it's a cool card and it makes me want to play with um, whatever the the white null cost from Modern Horizons two was that uh, returns enchantments. Oh yeah, yeah, resurgent beliefs. Yeah. You know, I see enchantments and I immediately think resurgent belief. How did no one vote for resurgent belief? How is resurgent belief? No, not. I'm proposing yeah, resurgent I mean, belief, guys. I mean, I'm making a claim for resurgent belief. Everybody, you're, you're, yeah. you're just a host. You're not a Patreon. I yeah. I don't care, guys. I need a Patreon to go ahead and propose resurgent belief. I'm opening the extension for an hour no, just no, for that card. No, it's closed. It, it closed last night at midnight. It's closed. Sorry. Guys, guys, it's open for Resurgent Belief. Just vote for it. Serum of the Skulls requires not much setup, as a card I have played a lot, while giving you insane amounts of value. The fact it's just an ETB trigger in the turn 4, you can play lands and anything, makes it so it's pretty close to drawing 4 cards as long as you're a proactive deck. Well, and at this point, there's like a pretty good amount of um, ramp in red. So I feel like we're probably even playing this ahead of, of Curve. And, you know, you got stuff like Ragavan. Ragavan would love to have your 1-1 counters. Also, Ragavan and the other ramp you have in red is... Skirk Prospector. 
Strike it rich. Yep, Strike It Rich. You got the your, Muse, the Muse card that pops up every once in a while, and you think, huh, could Strike It Rich be the key to a red-white monastery mentor deck? See, guys, when you go for Strike It Rich in your mid-range plan, that's when you go too far. Who said we're playing mid-range? Yeah, combo. You got you, How are you not playing mid-range with a card that says throw four? How are you not playing mid-range with a shot of the skulls? Mm, if you can make a... Wait, if you can make a combo or a shot of the skulls deck, not only will I stream it, I will play it until I 5 Alright, well, now we know Already. which card's gonna Secondary. end up winning, thanks. Secondary challenge, let's go. You cannot play this card in a non-mid-range deck. It says throw four, and then put counters to bodies you need on the board. Yeah, I will say, there's nothing I enjoy more than making Mord eat his words. <laughs> oh yeah, you love that. You show, you show every second of that. <laughs> Look at the bridge deck. <laughs> Look at the Astrolabe situation we had a few hours ago. <laughs> Good times. The good old times. I miss you, Astro. Yeah, this, this card is super cool. I'd definitely love to brew around it and you see what yeah, we do. And that goes well with the pitch really elementals. Pitches to Solitude and Fury. That's pretty hot. Yeah. And then you can just find Solitude and play it from Exile when you play it. Like a lot of the time, you just need a fast answer. So you play Showdown, find Solitude and play it from Exile. So it yep. really helps to keep up on tempo to play pitch elementals and really cheap cards with it. So definitely vote for this card if you want to see Mord forced to play a Shona the Scales combo deck. No. <laughs> How? <laughs> then you just proliferate it with... So you play Flux Senator, then you play there Showdown, proliferate it like four times. You get the two extra plus one plus one counters, then you play a Ballista, cast five spells and kill your opponent. Dude, you just broke it. We're done. Yeah, okay, done okay, here. you know. <laughs> no rules say we can't combine multiple of these nominations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this all started from the graveyard with a guy as will. Perfect. That's a dream. Okay. <laughs> so, going downwards. I want to take this card. Of course. All right, this is Torok Dread Cantor, well-known and well-loved. Uh, one in a black, uh, legendary creature, human cleric. Uh, Pro-white, whenever opponent discards a card, put a front-to-front counter on Torok. But it's got kicker double black with everybody's favorite card that says when it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, target opponent discards two cards at random, a.k.a. him to Torok. Note that these two cards discarded count towards the plus plus one counter, so you can pay four mana, one black, black, black for a four, three, uh, pro-white, uh, that hems your opponent, which is pretty hot. So this was nominated by Darshik. Shout out to Darshik. The crazy vile wizards, like maniac, just holy cow! Uh, it's been a while since I've seen Darshik around. Would love to chat with him again. Uh, Darshik writes: Pro white is very relevant in modern. True, it's fun and you can revisit. It's fun and you can revisit. Waste not. I kicked it. Parentheses. I kicked it three times last night at FNM playing five colored humans. Crushed white control slash mid range decks. Uh, you know, much respect. I've actually been super interested in Torok, uh, kind of for two reasons. One is, you know, it plays very well with Kalein, both being legends that enable Mox Amber. Kalein makes a treasure. And then, you know, there's once again, 6-5 Torok's pretty hot. You know, four mana still, 6-5, pretty hot. Uh, the other thing is, I think I mentioned this occasionally, is I have the dreams of a mono-black Mox Amber Urza Saga deck that I have been too cowardly to pursue, like many of my other pursuits. But... This would be yeah. a great excuse to pursue it. Yeah, I uh, love it. And yeah, you know, you know... This might be one of your favorite cards, if I have to ask. Like, if I think I would Shiga, I think I would Mox Amber. It's like yeah, the first I card. It. I had 
I had five Mox Ambers because I forget I didn't have four and I ordered one and then I found the fourth, the extra one. Then I had five and then I sold it and like everything is great. I should just note, I love Mox Ambers so much. I picked my copies up for like $5 each, like way back when. And now they're like 50. So like faith, my faith is rewarded. I bought them at a dollar a piece and the guy at the LGS was like, you know that it's not worth that much, right? And I was like, it'll get good. 45 bucks. Joke's on you. Oof. Yeah, right. 45 I bucks. Like 40 of them. Yeah, I know, right? That could have been huge. That could have been big monies. I mean, I'm, I have been spending my whole month eating stuff I paid when I bought 10 Wandering Emperors. Oof. Yeah. Oof. That was hey, the money go. move. Hashtag MTG Finance. Hashtag MTG Finance. We don't provide financial advice. The small thing below us. <laughs> this is not financial advice. Yeah, I mean, I don't quite know like what other applications are you could have in this card. You know, the triple black makes it pretty specific that you need a very heavily black focused deck uh, or yeah. like Darshik said you know like the five color mana base with humans uh, but I, I think this card is sick it's already like made a big splash in modern especially you know black red Luris, uh was around this was just like a big part of that really helping to keep the four color control and blue white in check yeah because it was uh, your false four drop yeah so this is Torque is sick I'm excited it's nominated once again I'd be happy if it won yeah, you can always... Uh, everyone enjoys playing Ragdoll Shunt Piles. Like, it's a really fun archetype in general because it's like the... Es- you're playing the essence of magic, sort of, right? Yeah, and it's like it's like being a little mean, but also like being a little fair. Exactly. No one can complain about Turn 1 Thoughtsies. I complain about Turn 1 Thoughtsies all the time. <laughs> I fucking hate that. <laughs> you can't. It's like... It's so fair. No, it's not. I think, honestly, I mean, no, I think Thoughtseize is an unfair card. Masquerading is a fair card. But everybody yells at me when I say this. I said this, I told, I said this in Spike stream and chat just like ostracized me. It was wild. I wanted you to buy Dune Chilis. I, I knew you were going into that. I, I know you hate Thoughtseize so much. I do hate Thoughtseize. And you know, I love Bale of Summer, so screw you all. <laughs> there you have it, guys. The combo player has spoken. Love Bale of Summer, <laughs> hate interaction. What can you say? Uh, I, I'm gonna move us. I'm gonna move us along here to the next card. Next card is Athreos, God of Passage. It is one white black for a legendary enchantment creature god. It has indestructible and reads: As long as your devotion to white and black is less than seven, Athreos isn't a creature. Whenever another creature you own dies, return it to your hand unless target opponent pays three life. Oh, and it is a five four when it is a creature. Uh, this was nominated by Ethan M. And Ethan writes, Aristocrat strategies with zeros? Evoke abuse? Croxa repetition? What else we got? What else do you need? And I agree. This card has been on my radar for a long time. When I first started playing Magic, I, I went... Like, I spent so much time just looking over sets in Scryfall, looking for cool cards. And this is one that I came back to time and time again. Um, I probably unsurprisingly was a fan of the like punisher type effects um and i actually when pioneer came out uh built a really janky deck with pia's revolution which is um a similar effect to this but it's an enchantment whenever an artifact goes to the graveyard they get to choose whether they give it back to you or pay three life um so i'm 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 into this idea i think this is super cool uh unfortunately punisher effects are notoriously bad but that doesn't mean we can't try yeah so Punisher effects have the problem where they require you to pressure your opponent as you are doing your value stuff with the Punisher effects. Because Athreos only works if your opponent is dangerously low 
enough that they have to actually make a decision that punishes them in a meaningful way. Because if I'm playing like a mid-range strategy or a control strategy, unless I get... The only Athreus trigger that will matter is the one that kills my opponent, unless I'm pressuring them in a way that they have to decide otherwise. So... One of the cool interactions here is uh, you can cast a Walking Ballista for zero, and it will die, and then they can either give it back to you, or uh, they can pay the three life. Now, if you load your deck up with other things that either like artifacts going to the graveyard or reward you for casting spells, now we're starting to talk, because there's a bunch of these X-cost spells that you can cast for zero, they'll immediately die... Uh, and if you have the extra mana, now you have your beaters, you, you know, walking ballista is a generically good card. Not saying that I think we have a deck here, but I think we have a deck here. No, but I can see walking ballista and Captain Richard Fios. Man, oh man, <laughs> you, you, you see y'all thinking about good cards, you know, I've, uh, <laughs> one of my, one of my good friends that I play casual magic with, uh, he has such an A3, I was got a passage ADH deck and it's just like a huge pain in the ass. Like what an asshole deck. Shadowborn Apostles? Uh, but... Uh, not just, you know, just beer by all your stuff. I don't know. It's pretty, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's a good deck. It's also, you know, so it's a little obnoxious sometimes. But I see this card, and, you know, I mean, yeah, Ranger Captain A, I was like, okay, that's the easy way out, right? Let's add a good Modern Horizons cards in. However, I'm thinking Cabal Therapist and Memnite. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes. then, you know, like, you want to give me my, you want to take three additional life or you want to give me my Memnite back and give me, you know, let me therapist you again. Because the other thing, too, is like if you want to go down this route, then you maybe you can like Memnite, uh, you know, Ornithopters, uh, Skull Clamp, you know, give it, if you give, uh, giving Cabal Therapist Menace, like it has Menace, so giving, give, putting a Skull Clamp on it, we have a whole bunch of like garbage one, like Serious MC artifacts could be like pretty quick clock. And honestly, you mean like, plating? Yeah, that's that's exactly what I meant. Thank you. Okay, but I was going to say skull clamp, not legal, buddy. Yeah, yeah, no, wow, wow, well, yeah. Okay, that's good call, that's good what we all cry for, right? Wow, that would this this card <laughs> would be cracked with skull clamp for sure too. But like, why don't we have skull clamp? Just give me skull clamp. Clearly, no. the important part is uh, the important part is Athrios. Ban Athrios, give me skull clamp. Exactly. So you know, this is this kind of shell. I played a. In Legacy, I used to play this terrible but super fun mono black like rat stack. This was also like back in 2011, 2012 when like magic didn't have as bad power creep. And it was like mono black. It played a whole bunch of ravenous rats and crypt rats and swarm. It was hilarious. Uh, but it also played for Cabal Therapy. And like Cabal Therapy is a really fucked up card. Like that yeah. card is cracked. Uh, I'm on board. I'm on board. So I can I have this hypothesis that if you can somehow make a deck that can you know go turn one because Cabal Therapist the big issue uh, is that you know you don't get it till turn two but if you play it with a Memnite turn one then you can start therapying your opponent honestly if you if you can therapy your opponent from turn one onwards they cannot win that game I don't care what deck they are they're not going to win you actually cannot cabal until turn two right yeah yeah, yeah. you want you want well yeah you get on your turn to main phase but even so exactly. you know like they get a turn if they don't kill your stuff then you get to therapy them and you know you're likely able to therapy them every turn thereafter and you know just like therapying someone every turn is pretty mean yeah it's pretty mean you just start removing their curve as it appears anyone who's never blind therapied and hit two of the same card <laughs> it is like the high of a lifetime let me tell you Okay, you can have your dream. I will have my fair dream of going Captain Rachel of Eos, get Ballista, sacrifice on your upkeep, and then play a Solitude. Why? Because Shame I play the good cards. Mord, why aren't you playing <laughs> Captain Eos for Cabal Therapist? 
I, I'm sorry. I, I enjoy winning, guys. I, I don't know how to say this in a more decent way. We're not being. I enjoy winning. I don't know about you. I mean, this is you know, this is where two podcasts diverge. <laughs> <laughs> this is where this is where we part ways. <laughs> well, we can't part ways quite yet. We still have two more cards left to talk about. Okay, so the next one is a card I really like, which is Cunning Night Ponderer. Uh, double hybrid blue or black human roll, which is a two mana two two with flash with reads, spells with flash you cast, got one less to cast and can't be countered. Adam Esser writes, I have no idea what to do with it, it just feels like it should be so good and I want to see someone with more experience in competitive play can do with it. I think we all go ahead into the exact same card, which is Slither Wisp. Oh yeah, if only we had Damon on, you know, this is Damon. This was a dream. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if Damon even likes Slither Wisp, but he 5 with it once, and now everyone just, like, pegs, like, oh, Slither, blue, black, flash, you know, Damon, Slither Wisp, Slither Wisp, Slither Wisp. I do love it. I think it's hilarious. This card is, you know, I don't quite know. We probably just, like, shove all the blue, black, flash cards together. Seems, you know, I mean, Snapcaster Mage for one mana that can't be countered is really so hot. we have, I was making the list in my mind of playable cards in that include blue. I was, like... Coatl, Omen of the Seas, Snapcaster Mage, and Slither Wisp. And Spellstander Sprite if you want to force your luck. I mean, ideally it, it has a colorless pip that you can reduce, right? Like, I don't know. Is, is, uncounterable, is uncounterable Ice Fang really, really a payoff? I mean, I think the real payoff is Slither Wisp. Or Snapcaster Mage. Or Snapcaster Mage for one what mana. What about Brazen Borrower? Brazen Borrower, Bendillion Click. The biggest problem, I think, with Snapcaster Mage is... There's not many... Like, Snapcaster Mage doesn't kind of work with the flash mechanic because... Yeah, uh, yep. But unless you have a lot of inst... But you might have a lot of, like, one or two mana instants because turn two Night Ponder into turn three Snap plus double opt is actually quite good. Oh, okay, uh, that sounds pretty hot. I mean, if we want to talk jank a little bit here... Uh, of course. Let me, let me bring back from earlier in the episode I mentioned Leyline of Anticipation. Let's just make everything a flash spell. Okay, you know... I'm not against this. Thank you. Because seriously, if you're now reducing the cost of all of your spells, that sounds pretty nice. <laughs> Brian, you and I are about to make Dan regret bring us on for this. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mord's going to be crying. He's like, wait, like, I have to play bad decks again? What the hell is this? That's okay, Mord. We can, we'll, we'll do the bad deck playing. You yeah, can, we'll you know, the heavy we'll, we'll give you updates. You can put the good card. You can play, you can play the medium decks. I got to play Brian that. and I will take the dregs. You know what's the problem? I have to play at least one to know it's bad. So, like, oh. I have to play at least one league to know it's bad. And if it feels bad, I can drop it. But I need to play it. I have to know it. Oh, no, wait. Then enough anticipation doesn't give spells flash. We're fine. Does wait, it doesn't? Nope. What does it say? You may cast non-land cards as though they had flash. Uh, Let's go! Uh, yes! What a cop-out. Wow. What a cop out. The dream is the dead, everyone. Loophole, we can go home. Keeping me safe. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, but yeah, all the, right. there's a lot of flashing stuff. You can even flash in the. So we talk about Omen of the Seas. There's also Omen of the Dead, which has oh, yeah. flash as well. Yeah. But it, it doesn't get it. It still costs one mana, though. Yeah, yeah. But you can get back your cunning. You can get back any of your flash creatures for only one black mana. And then with the cunning on board, just sort of. You can go like three mana, get back a click, and cast a click. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. This would be this would be a very fun card. I'd be down. You know, I'm not really like blue black. I kind of don't really identify with as color identities. But sometimes I like to be a little mean and you know, blue black flash sounds pretty fun. You say that, but you love Lazav. 
Yeah. This is true. I do love lasagna. That's fair. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> he loves lasav, so I mean, I have seen you try lasav croxa a bit too much for any sane person I mean, to do. Every, you know, I, I just want to feel something more. I just need to feel it. I just need to do it. Down to our last card for the night. I want to take this. You have some really fun ideas for it, so please. Be my oh guest. yeah! So the final card is Grand Architect. Uh, you know, sicko sicko card. Uh, one blue blue creature, Betelkin Artificer. Other blue creatures you control get plus one plus one. Uh, static ability, activated ability, blue, target artifact creature becomes blue until end of turn, and then the cool, the payoff, the money shot, tap an untapped blue creature you control, add two colorless to your mana pool, spend this mana only to cast activate artifact spells or activate abilities of artifacts. And it's a 1-3. And Dr. Bashir writes, anyone remember blue steel? Uh, hell yes, I do. Keep your Urzas, give me that Smuggler's Copter beatdown and Pillapala combos. Yes. Architect does sweet things that other cards can't do. Can we break it? Uh, does it actually does it just go infinite with Pillapala? No, you have to make it yes. blue first, but then it does. No, no, I think it, yeah, it does because you just untap the Pillapala. Yeah. Uh, oh, 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 but then, but it has, but Pillapala has to be blue to tap for mana. Right, yeah. Okay, yeah, so, okay. It's turn two Pilipala. It's turn two Pilipala. Turn three Grand Architect plus a blue source. Yeah. So turn one drum. Turn two Pilipala. Turn three Architect. That'll do yep. it. I will do it. Uh, yeah. So that you know, I mean, having a two card combo built in is pretty hot. Uh, you know, I love this. It's sweet. I've another card has been on my to do list for a while, but I've been a little too busy or cowardly. Take your pick. Whatever. Whatever you want to use to justify it. Uh, I've, you know, loving Kin and everything. I've always dreamed of, uh, turn one, <laughs> turn one, uh, Artificer's Assistant. Uh, that's blue for a 1 1 flying. Cast a historic spell, scry one. You know, kind of, <laughs> poor man's Dragon Race Chandler, if you know, if you want to, if you want to think about it like that. Uh, turn two, follow up with Kinnon. And if you turn three, Grand Architect, Kinnon actually affects the Grand Ar- Architect, uh, uh, mana ability. So you wind up with nine cardless mana that turn to spend on artifacts or activate ability of artifacts. I don't quite know what you do with it, but it's pretty hot. I like it. I, th- I think I have seen a bit too many turn three wound calls come out of Grand Architect, and that alone makes me sort of tempted to just see what we can do with it. Turn three what? Wound call engine. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, you know, never bad. <laughs> turn, yeah. turn. Wound call's hot. Yeah, and it's I not mean, particularly hard, right? Because of this... Ugin? Six mana. No, hey. you can't. You can't yeah. Ugin. Oh yeah, you can also uh, Ugin. It's, oh, no, it's you only can't. not an artifact. <laughs> yeah, if it's you only could nine Ugin. mana if you have Kinnon. Right. Yeah, I was talking about your your Kinnon scenario there. Yeah. Also, a Turn. card I think would be amazing for this sort of deck, but I have never seen tried because I always see blue steel as a sort of aggro deck, right? When you just see yeah. it. I have never seen like a brew like more big with scarn and stuff to actually use your mana efficiently. Yeah, I mean the thing is, you you want to do things like uh, <laughs> I probably know more about blue steel than most people do. Yeah, uh, for undisclosed reasons. Uh, but uh, hot tip: Traxos Scourge of Traxos Scourge of Crude. Is that his name? Yep. Yeah. Uh, four mana, seven seven trample, legendary artifact creature. Uh, doesn't untap, but you cast a horror, historic spell, untap it. So, like that, also, you know, sometimes can get like, some grand architect combos in there, but just like 7 7 trample for 4 can end the game really, really quickly. Oh, yeah. Especially when you can just do it on like turn 3 plus. Yeah, yeah. You have on board. 
that's just gonna rush over your opponent's board really fast. I mean, we could also turn three possessed portal. Yeah, this is this is what we were talking about a little bit beforehand. You know, like I mean, let's ignore the fact that you probably need to run four possessed portals to make this thing happen consistently, and pray they don't remove one of your three weak creatures. But like, you know, I would do it just for the screenshot. Yeah, I know you would. Possessed uh, portal. God, God Pharaoh's statue. Yeah, yeah. Is that, that six? That I can get behind. Okay, if it's six, then you don't even need the Kinnon stuff. This is yeah. Or if you over, you could just do it with Grand Architect and Kinnon. You don't even need a one drop. Yeah, true. All right, I'm down to turn two God Pharaoh statue people. You know, I'm I'm down for this. All right, we got we got to reach a, like an agreement. We got to an agreement of what's. Uh, we got closer to a line we can dance about. We went from Possessed Portal. We had to abandon the Wurm Code, which is clearly the best 6 or to play in turn 3. See? Guys, it is. It might be the best, but it's the most boring. No, no, exactly. It dies so to solitude. Wurm Coil was too much of my <laughs> side. Possessed Portal was too much of your insane side. And now we get to another 6 drop, which is... The, the God right. Pharaoh side, yeah, which yeah. is like a, a, a great middle point. It's a mixture of, of fantasy, of flavor, and reality. Compromise <laughs> makes the world go round, unfortunately, <laughs> but it does. <laughs> Your list is going to feature one Possessed Portal if this wins. I know it. Or at, at least, least it's one. Be, yeah, yeah, one Possessed Portal and three God Pharaohs just for the picture. <laughs> four. <laughs> Here you can write four. Four Possessed Just like two more. Say, Shiggy, just nod. We're going to play four. I was thinking, we'll just play Brainstone so we can shuffle away our extra possessed portals we draw at bad times. This is why this is why we work well together, my friend. That's the man. That's that's the duo. That, that's the duo dream. That's that's a dynamic duo, everybody. So, with that being said, that was our last card. Really excited for them. A lot of great ones. Woo! Yeah, yeah. I just gotta say, big shout out to our Patreon members who nominate these sick, sick, sick cards. I'm, you know, one. Honestly, I'll be happy with them if any of these win. There's a lot of wild yeah. ways you know there's ways this all of these cards have ways that brian and i can brew them how we want to brew them and mord can also brew them how he wants to brew them and if we brew better than mord playing the worst cards that's great <laughs> these cards have most of them have the capability of being played in more than one shell they are not like extremely focused mm -hmm. cards and i think that's really important for what we're aiming to do because some cards just feature in one shell, and then there's not much space for creativity to be had. Here I feel comfortable knowing that at least we can innovate on some stuff. So what what would be your what would be your favorite, Brian? Do you have like a choice? Do you have like something you're looking forward to? Uh I like the proliferate. Uh what okay. is it? Flux Channeler, Athreos. I mean really any <laughs> of them. I'll take them all. You're taking them all. If you can cast cheap artifacts and then do stuff sort of stormy, you like it. And I would yeah, ask he, yeah. but I think I know his answer. I mean, honestly, like, I don't know if I have a, you know, obviously, you know of course I nominated Kalein, but, you know, like, Kalein would be fun. Uh, Torak would love to do Torak. Aetherios would, you know, I'll take I'll take an excuse to jam bad cards. Like, okay. really bad cards. Like, a ball therapist bad cards. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. Uh, save me. One day... One day, Mord, I'm going to get you with the Cabal Therapist loop where em Emery's going to be recasting my Memnite every turn. You know that all fails to a Fury, right? We all, we, all, we all agree that a Fury crushes every dream you ever had. Mord, I know Fury crushes every dream I ever had. I was on a mentor kick and I was actually doing really well with it. 
And then my opponent furied my mentor in two tokens, and I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> this deck is really weak to fury. Okay, so that's it for tonight. Thanks so much, guys, for being here. Uh, actually, loving having you guys, Brian, Shigi. Great friend oh, of yeah. ours, great friend of mine. This was so much fun. This, this, was, this was a great time. Yeah, for sure. Um, Love talking with you guys. Looking forward to what card will win, what we'll have to work together in. Hope you don't make me play too much, but too many bad cards. I know you will. Oh no, Mord, <laughs> you have no idea how many bad things we had to play for Serum Visions. Let me tell you, like you're definitely gonna get a taste. Yeah, and you don't. Uh, we don't have Zach here to keep us in check. <laughs> I, like, yeah, that task relied on me, and I don't have enough of Zach's expertise to actually keep you yeah, guys yeah, in check. Yeah. Like, I, I did so much training in, in what to stop you guys seeing, so I was just come <laughs> to suffer. Yeah, Zach, Zach, Zach knows how to keep us in check. You know, Zach knows the secrets, but you, you're new. You don't know the secrets, so we're not in check right now. You'll get there. You'll get there. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Hope to see you again. I don't know when we'll be seeing again. Likely in a few weeks to discuss. Yeah, probably like another month. Yeah. So thanks so much. Say your goodbyes. See you soon. All right. Take care, everybody. Yeah, have a good one. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the show, remember our next episode is coming up on Saturday where we will be discussing our top 10 picks from New Capena alongside the new and exciting brews for both Modern and Pioneer. And if you would like to see even more content, remember we have a YouTube channel that's being activated, an Instagram and a Facebook where we can find all of it. Also, please remember to support our Patreons so we can keep our channel and our family growing. The Faceless Gang family in Discord is an amazing community that you would love to join. Please stay safe and we'll see you next time. Have a nice night.